Welcome to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries, a Christ-centered conversation that will encourage and inspire you to live a better life. Now let's join Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. Welcome to Hacks for Life. I'm Galen Jones, your host, and I'm here with Scott Rahi, and we're talking about prophecy. Uh, and I think he's, Scott's going to give us some scripture. Um, I think what we have planned is uh, we're going to kind of look at scripture and look where it was fulfilled and kind of just uh, talk around that. Talk through talk. that a little bit, yeah. yeah. Last time we talked about the concept that scripture, you know, the idea, basically the idea is if, if the Bible contains um, information about the future, predicted information about the future, and then we can see that it did in fact happen, and it's really um, – Especially if it's you know it's it's really clear that the the two are connected. There are some that are harder to connect. You know, some that are a little more uncertain, but there are some that are really certain. And if in fact there is a Old Testament reference that says this is going to happen in four or five hundred years, and we can see that it did happen, um, it really is hard to conclude that the Bible is not the war, the hand of a, a being that can predict, that can see the future. You know, so. And I'm gonna. I'll preface it again. There are people that no matter what you do, you're gonna to say to them, "This proves here's the you know, here's the uh, pr- uh, the prediction of the Old Testament. Here's what it says in the New Testament." And they'll come back and they'll say, "How do we know that this was written hundreds of years before? And how do we know that the people writing the New Testament didn't just read this Old Testament prophecy and make a story up?" And you know, and we've gone through all that. The idea of the eyewitness accounts and the ways that we test whether the, the the documents are authentic or not, you know, so we can use that argument to say, look, this isn't just a made up story. Here are all the reasons that we believe that. And if anybody wants the information, go back and listen to the, the last several of these. Um, but there are people who will sort of institutionally be skeptical and you can't persuade them away from it. But for those who are open minded, this is powerful evidence. And as Christians, at least for me, this is very uh, confirming. And one of the things I said before as well is when I started hearing that there were prophecies and, you know, I just always knew that, you know, people said there were prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled. And they would always go to Isaiah 53, which is a really strong prophecy about the crucifixion. Um, And we may read it here in just a minute. But I didn't realize that there are over 300 of these things. And when you hear that and you think, oh, my, that's that's powerful. So what I thought we'd do today is we just go through, and I've highlighted a few of them. It's not a huge, it's not a huge list, but I thought I would read the Old Testament prophecy, and then I would read where it's fulfilled. Okay. And we'll just compare from one to the next. Okay. The first one is the prophecy. Well, let me just read. And what I'll do is I'll read the Old Testament verse, then we'll, then I'll, we'll mention what the prophecy is, and then we'll see what it says in the New Testament. So the first verse is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. And I think for the most part this is coming from the uh, English Standard Version. Uh, Isaiah says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. Um, 
So in Romans 1 and 1 through 3, so this is, so um, sticking with the, the, the format, this prophecy, they say this this is a prophecy that Jesus is the, of the line of Jesse mm-hmm. and is of the house of David. And I would add on there this idea of um, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. I think we saw that fulfillment whenever Jesus was baptized and the dove came down from right, heaven. Right. Um, but in the New Testament, here's what Paul says in Romans 1 verses 1 through 3. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set forth for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So Jesus was of the house of David. And if you read the, the genealogies in, in Matthew and Luke, you'll also see there's, you know, he just goes back and back and back. And you see that he's, he is indeed of the line of Jesse of the house of David. This was predicted back in Isaiah. So that's the first one. The second one is, um, there's a prediction in Isaiah that we want to read. Let's read Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So again, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, there's a prophecy that Jesus is going to be born of a virgin. And what is the fulfillment of this? Luke 1, 26 to 35. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Again, there's the house Mm -hmm. of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to the throne, give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? So prophecy in Isaiah that Jesus will be born of a virgin, fulfillment in uh, Luke 1. So the next one. First, remember we talked also about are there things that are prophesied that Jesus would have had no control over? I think we're yeah, seeing yeah, two of those. Those, are, those would be, I mean, how would he... How could he control his lineage? Yeah, I mean, he, he couldn't do that. Yep. So now, that, I could, but I could see. I mean, I I can sympathize with those that would go, okay. I mean, I can see how they would make the argument. Well, that that was written, and then... So this guy comes and he it matches that and so just made can, a story up. Yeah. Yep. Well, the reason, and that's why we did the other stuff first, because yep. Luke, we've already talked about how Luke was an exceedingly precise historian and took extreme care to get everything exactly historically right. We talked about Colin Hemer's mm-hmm. um, Acts in the Course of Hellenistic History. I think is the book. Eighty-four different times where he goes above and beyond to the highest degrees possible to get exactly the historical facts exactly right. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote the Book of Acts. Here, this is Luke describing what's happening. We know that that um, that Isaiah was written hundreds of years before these events occurred. So either Luke's inventing it, which would be completely out of character with the historical nature of everything else he did, mm-hmm. or um, it's true. And if it's true, then that's a real prophecy that we have to deal with. Right. You know, Luke, unlike Matthew, Matthew tends to say, and this was done to fulfill the prop, uh, to fulfill the yeah. uh, prophet that said. Blah, he blah, said blah. it all throughout he, the book he, of Matthew. It's full in the book, uh, book of Matthew. 
Luke cites similar events, but doesn't tie that back to and make it a, a dominant theme. It's not in his explicit book. all the way through. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. You know, when when Luke starts out, he says, "I'm, I'm doing this so that you'll have a, a you really have the truth here about right. uh, the about what happened, what you've been taught, Theophilus." Yep. Uh, so yeah, that stands right with the uh, character of Luke. And I think just because you mentioned, I think one of the things that, that we can draw out of the fact that Matthew occur in uh, constantly referred to, this was to fulfill what was written here. This was to fulfill. The reason is he was mainly talking to a Jewish audience Correct. who were looking for the fulfillment of these prophecies. And so he was saying, here it is, here it is, here it is. And it was to convince the Jews. Yeah, which, which I think speaks you know, pretty loudly that the Jews believe that they're were prophecies yep. made yep. so that they could identify the Messiah. They were waiting for the Messiah. They absolutely. were waiting. So um, that just kind of adds, a, you know, for me, adds a little bit, a layer there going, okay, these these uh, uh, guys, they knew that there were things that were supposed to happen right. that that would give them help them identify the the when the messiah is coming yeah, so. it's not it's not a bunch of christian authors that came back in and said i'm going to invent this concept of prophecy and weave this into the narrative no the jews were waiting the jews were looking and so matthew wanted to this is what you've been waiting for guys over and over and over yeah, yeah. so let's read the next one uh micah chapter five but you O bethlehem Ephrathah, you uh, who are too little to be among the clans of judah from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. So this is the prophecy that Jesus would be born at Bethlehem. Again, not something he can control, mm-hmm. right? So let's let's read the fulfillment of it. And this isn't the only place that these occur. I'm just picking yeah. a verse. There's yeah. multiple accounts of these. So right. um, this is in Matthew 2, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Um, it goes it goes on further there, but let me uh, I'm going to pause there because we're getting to the next prophecy because there's multiple ones mixed into this verse. Um, the next prophecy is starts with Psalms 72, and we actually have two in the Old Testament here, and then we'll uh, we'll circle back to Matthew two again. So starting with Psalm 72, verse 10. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all the kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. And then in Isaiah 60, a multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and they shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. So, it was prophesied mm-hmm. that Jesus was going to receive gifts. Mm-hmm. It even had a couple of them outlined specifically. So let's go back to Matthew 2. Um, this is starting with verse 1 again. Now, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, uh, uh, saying, Who is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and, and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I misread that. That should have all been with uh, the bit about Bethlehem, but 
people can follow mm-hmm. what's going on, I think. So we're jumping forward. Still in Matthew 2, we're jumping forward to verse 9. And it says, um, after listening to the king, this is the same wise men. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So, again, prophecies fulfilled from, from Isaiah 60. We've got a prophecy about Herod killing the children. Here's Jeremiah 31. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Here's the fulfillment again in Matthew 2. When Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was, spoke, what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. I mean, this is really explicit where Matthew is saying, look, look, Jewish audience, that happened. That was prophesied. Here it is. It's occurring right here. Yeah. Um, we have John announcing Jesus. We have a prophecy of that in Isaiah 40. Uh, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. The first part of this is, there's two mixed in. The first of these is Malachi 3. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way for me. Then Isaiah 40, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It's just crazy to me that that's exactly what he said when he got here. Mark 1, we see the fulfillment of it. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. There's no doubt that this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. Um, We see that Jesus was to begin his ministry in Galilee. In Isaiah 9, it says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Um, New Testament uh, fulfillment is in Matthew 4. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So again, Matthew saying, Look, go back to, to Isaiah. This is the fulfillment of that. Um, I'm going to skip a couple of these. The first, one of them is Jesus' ministry will contain miracles. Isaiah 35 predicts miracles, and then obviously throughout the entire New Testament, right. Jesus is, is conducting miracles, or at least in, throughout, throughout the Gospels. This is one that I find particularly interesting. In the Old Testament... In Zechariah 9, uh, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Here's the New Testament uh, fulfillment of it. It's in uh, Luke 19. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it, 
And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had seen. So prophecy that he would enter Jerusalem on a donkey, he entered Jerusalem on a donkey. Um, this one is, I didn't realize this one actually until I started going through this. Let's read Zechariah 11 really quick. There's two that are tied here. I'm going to read the first verse, and then I'll go back and read the second one. So Zechariah 11, verse 12. Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Now, what's the fulfillment of this? Matthew 26, 14. Then one of the, the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to, to, to betray him, Jesus. You know, the thing that's funny about this is, is the Jewish leadership was so steeped in knowledge of the, the, old, the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You would think they would have been going, are we, are we fulfilling prophecy in this? <laughs> we're, we're, you know, it would just seem like that you would, but they didn't do it. Now let's go back and read. So that's the first one is Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Let's read the second half of Zechariah 11 that I have. Zechariah 11, 13. Um, then, so I'll just read the whole thing, but 13 is what I'm interested in. Then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as my wages 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to them, throw it to the potter, the lordly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. So what happened to the 30 pieces of silver? We know in Matthew 27. Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. They said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priests, taking the pieces of silver, said, It is not lawful to put them in the treasury, since it is blood money. So they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Mm. It's just completely crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, Zechariah 13. There's just a few more. Zechariah 13, uh, starting with verse 7. Jesus was betrayed by his disciples, as prophesied in, in Zechariah. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands with me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hand against the little ones. Uh, Mark fourteen forty three is the is the fulfillment of this. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd of swords and clubs, a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came and went went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out as, a, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all fled, left him and fled. So fulfillment, yep. they all ran away. Um, the rest of these are tied closely to um, 
to the, the crucifixion itself. So let me just go through those really quick. His hands and feet are predicted to be pierced. If you look in Psalms 22, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and count my clothing and, and for my clothing as they cast lots. Um, fulfillment, Luke 23. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. We know that crucifixion was a, was a piercing of the hands and feet. Right. So that's the fulfillment of that. Going back to the previous one, Psalms 22, uh, G- gar- Jesus' garments were parted and the lots were cast for them. He didn't have any control over that one either. Right. Going back to Psalm 22, um, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. And if you look at Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. Um, Wouldn't that be interesting if you weren't, like you said earlier, you know, if you knew Scripture and all of a sudden you may have said something like that or you've been involved in it and kind of look back and go, did I just fulfill oh, Scripture oh, here? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, we all fulfill Scripture when we preach because it's taught the woman that um, – I think broke the alabaster box and and coated Jesus' feet, and then uh, he says, you know, this woman has done a great thing for me. And every time her name is mentioned, you know, it's going to fulfill. And so we fulfill prophecy because Jesus said that we would be preaching about it. You know, so we get to be part of that. Um, I'll just read a couple more here. Uh, Jesus' bones would not be broken. Psalm thirty-four twenty. He keeps all his bones; not one of them is broken. Fulfillment. John nineteen. Uh, since it was the day of preparation so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. He had no control over that. Mm-hmm. Jesus' side was pierced. Uh, Zechariah 12 predicts that. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Um, John nineteen thirty four. For one of, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Um, it's interesting about the prophecy of the darkness over the land. In Amos 8, On that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. Amos predicts that. And we know in Matthew 27, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. And because of Thallus t- talking about the darkness and because Julius Africanus is referencing that, we have external evidence that this occurred. Um, and then the last one I'll, I'll do here. Uh, Jesus was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin who was one of the group that condemned Jesus and yet this Joseph decided to take Jesus' body and give him an honorable burial. It talks about that in Isaiah 53. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. I don't know how that can be anybody but Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And then the fulfillment in Matthew 27 when it was evening there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given, and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, 
which he had cut in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Now, these are just prophecies specifically about Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's about 300. There are plenty of other prophecies about other things, like towns that would cease to exist and, you know, all these different things that would happen. There's a lot more prophecy that uh, that is also fulfilled and that we can prove. But these are just about Jesus. And I think, going back to what we said last time, there, the, the studies that were done, the statistical analysis that was done is if you can find somebody that fulfills eight of these, the chances are so astronomically un- improbable. It's ten to, one in 10 to the 17th power that somebody would fulfill eight of them, and yet, yet Jesus fulfilled three, uh, 300 of them. Yeah. Only conclusion I can come to is that Jesus really is who he claimed to be and that he really was the fulfillment of these prophecies. And to me, it, again, it just gets back to how does someone look at this with an open mind and not fall on their knees and surrender their life to Christ? It's just, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, yeah. The, the evidence is overwhelming, especially since, I mean, we've been, I don't know how many conversations we've had in the, the realm of apologetics. Mm-hmm. I mean, the evidence just gets um, overwhelming. It's continuing to grow, yeah. So what I want to do next time, I want to dig more into the nature of Jesus, and there there are people that say that Jesus never existed. Yep. It's called the Christ myth crowd, and there are it's a, it's a growing number. It's not educated people. It's not academics for the most part. There's one or two, um, but it's a, it's a strong enough minority and a vocal enough minority that if you get into talking to people about this, you're going to encounter people, I guarantee you, because I've encountered them over and over, that say Jesus never existed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's start there, and we'll we'll switch topics. I think we're done with prophecy. Please read more on this on your own, but I think we've given a taste of it. And the, and the book that um, that um, evidence that demands evidence a, that demands, demands a, verdict. a verdict. Yeah, Josh McDowell. Josh that's McDowell. that's where I pulled these quotes from. Is I, he has them all sort of lined out. So I, you're right. I just kind of drew them out, and and yeah, there's a lot more that he has in there. I just picked a few. Yeah. So yeah, let's do the Christ, uh, the idea of Christ being an actual historical figure next time, and then you know we may take a couple of times to go through that. Okay, sounds good, man. Look forward to it. See you then. You've been listening to Hacks for Life with Galen Jones of James Group Ministries. The James Group is a nonprofit Christ-centered organization that seeks to serve the community by offering skilled caring support for anyone in need. For help, call 972-243-4673. That's 972-243-4673. For questions and comments, email Galen at jamesgroupministries.net. That's G-A-L-O-N at jamesgroupministries.net. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another Hacks for Life with Galen Jones.